Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Jew and Gentile podcast. I am your host, Chris Katolka, and with me is none other than the Jewish sage himself, the one and only Mr. Steve Herzig. How are you, sir? I'm good, but Chris, you're a little, your voice, you're not as enthusiastic. Oh, Mike, should we go back and start well, again? I don't know. Was it because of how early in the morning you got home? Well, exactly, because you and I, we spent the whole day together yesterday. Are we still friends? Uh, yeah, yeah. Are we, is, are the, is the Jew and Gentile still friends? The problem is when I dropped you off, we still had more to say. <laughs> we had to end the night. All right, here we go. Welcome in, welcome in. I am sorry if I'm not as enthusiastic as I normally am. I felt that as I entered into this program as well, but it is you're because... You're just a little off. Well, I do, if you're watching on that YouTube... coffee will help. You. I've got my coffee, my Americano, to give me a little boost. You need a boost. We need a boost because Steve, you and I spent all day yesterday t- uh, together. All day. We, uh, what, we were up early yesterday. I we was, were on Capitol Hill. We were on oh, Capitol just Hill. Just saying that we were on, and we even made the news in the Jerusalem Post. Well, kind of, kind of, kind of. Let's not get our people going yeah. and looking for <laughs> Jew and Gentile in the news section of Google. No, nobody knew we were there, but we were there at an event that people knew about. Exactly, we were a part of a greater thing that was going on. Uh, we left yesterday at ten thirty in the morning, and we drove all the way from New Jersey down to Washington D.C., where we had a chance to partner with the Israel Allies Caucus, and the International Embassy, Christian Embassy in Jerusalem, and a great program that they put together. Uh, Steve, you and I were sitting in a, uh, a like a, a government building right next to the Capitol building. The Cannon the, House, yeah, right? The Cannon, Cannon something. Where, where, where actual congressional leaders meet to make decisions, and there's the Jew and Gentile <laughs> podcast. But it was great. We met congressional leaders who actually love and support Israel and the Jewish people. And the best part about it, Steve, which I heard you, you were you were the king clapper yesterday. That's right. You, I make things happen. You were clapping like crazy. There would be The guy would be speaking, and all of a sudden he'd say something that had some, uh, some, some meaning, and you'd hear this. And who and was it starting it? Steve Herzig. Every single, although I, one time, nobody responded. No, you I, were left out there. I was left out there to dry, but I deserved it. It was the wrong time. But I, I 98% is pretty good. I leaned over as uh, we were midway through the congressional meeting that we were having on Capitol Hill, and I said to Steve, I said, you should just be hired as a clapper, you know, some clapper in the back, you know. Old commercial, clap on, clap off. <laughs> That's, right. That's me. People were trying to get you to clap off last <laughs> yesterday. No. Things were rocking there, though. At we'll have to get and talk about it. But suffice it to say, there were some dignitaries that we knew, and I say this with love and respect. They were rocking. I mean, moving their arms and because there was a great um, uh, singing group. Oh, that yeah. was just, I loved it. I i stood up at our table, was the only one oh, to stand up. I know. You didn't stand it up. It was getting late. I stood alone. No, I know, but there were a lot of people at this. So the, I'll, I'll, I'll share with you really quick for our listening audience. Yesterday's event, it first started in the Cannon Congressional Building. That um, was at 2.30. That was at 2.30, and we walked over there. for When we got to the hotel, we walked over to the congressional building, and uh, we had a chance to hear from congressional leaders. It was very official, very official, uh, just like you'd see on C-SPAN or something like that. Very formal. Very. That's exactly right. Then uh, later on in that evening, they had a gala. 
and they had fantastic uh, worship leaders that were singing fantastic music. It was great. And by the end of the night, there's Steve Herzig standing on his feet. Uh, you know, I was clapping. clapping. I I love I love the music, but clapping was mild compared to what was going on behind us. Oh, a hundred percent. I look over to my right, and Rabbi Shmuel Bowman, the CEO of Operation Life Shield, who provides bomb shelters for those and living. a great friend of the friends of Israel. Hundred percent. I see him over there, and he is dancing and having a good time. He was a great example of what I always say about my people. No rhythm. <laughs> he was trying he hard. Went, uh, and th- we are zealous. Yeah. <laughs> Paul said we're zealous in Romans chapter 10, right? That's right. We are zealous. I'm telling you, we love music. We love music. We love to let music kind of infiltrate our minds and hearts and our bodies. And then some of us, I'm not one of them, because I. but some of us, let the music roll in our body, and <laughs> Rabbi was going at it, and I personally loved it. I did. I loved it. It was great to see. Yeah. Our table, uh, not so much. Well, I, it was late at that point, and I was. I thought I should just go to the back and stand up and get moving. You know, <laughs> at that point, my my that would be an were, interesting. It was sight. rusty. I was feeling rusty at that point. We had been sitting all day long. So, if you ever go to a Jewish wedding, though, you will see the people. No matter lawyers, doctors, politics, whoever who's ever at the wedding, once the music starts, they go crazy. It's <laughs> it's a mate. My own family. I. I never did it. It's just I feel it, but I I I just don't have it in me. Not my oh my mother, my sisters, rock and rolling. That they love it. You know what I liked about seeing Rabbi Shmuel Bowman dancing is that you have to remember this is a Christian event uh, that is uh, uh, showing solidarity with Israel during Jerusalem Day, which is uh, celebrating the unifi- unification of the city of Jerusalem from 1967 during the Six Day War. So it's a big it's a big event. And there's Rabbi Shmuel Bowman dancing to worship music being sung by Christians. And it is he amazing. loved it. And it was just a great testimony to, to I believe, God at work in that place, Uni- bringing together Jewish people and Christians. Uh, Israeli officials were coming over. We had Knesset members that were sharing about what was going on. Jason, we had a general. We had a, a general of the Israeli army was there. Oh, he was he was amazing. He was, and he te- he wasn't even on the agenda. He just I don't know if he just bonus. He, we got a bonus. He just jumped up there and said, "I got a story I got to tell you." And it was a great story. You know, the question is, I was thinking about what the general said, and I'll ask this question. You can you can address what he said. How many Americans? have been to Washington, D.C.? I thought of that question. Yeah. Not all Americans have been to Washington, D.C. Parts, geography. If you live in California or Nevada or Oregon, and it's a it's a schlep, <laughs> using the Yiddish word, to go all the way to Washington. It could be expensive. And in Israel, he brought up what concerning Jerusalem? Well, he was, uh, he was overseeing 800 um, uh, IDF uh, soldiers. And um, it was a part of his battalion, and um, they had a leave, a break. And so somehow the topic had come up, and he said the topic came up. I said, how many of you have ever been to Jerusalem? And remember, Israel is the size of New Jersey. It's New Jersey. So Jerusalem, I mean, that's like That's like, have you been to Trenton? That's exactly right. It's 45 (laughs) minutes away. That's that's what was going through my mind. He said half of the 800 had never been to Jerusalem. 
And so for the three-week break that they were getting, they they gave the, the IDF soldiers one-week break. They came back to organize all of their stuff for another week to get all of their um, material together. Um, and then uh, the last week, he said, I'm taking you all to Jerusalem. Instead of training. That's right. Instead they were of training. Train for a uh, a thing they were going to do, but instead of training, he said, "We're going to Jerusalem, and I'm giving. We're going to do a tour." And where'd they go? They went every. They went to the city of uh, of David. They went to the Temple Mount. They went to the Western Wall. I'm sure they did the Western Wall tunnels, and they had gone underneath there. They visited the old city. They went even. These to are the- Israeli kids who have never been to Jerusalem. It, for us, as you said, I you gotta think those our seven listeners, listen, it's like us going to Trenton. Yeah. You've never been to Trenton. Even the pass through it, you know. That's what you usually do in Trenton. You pass through Trenton. You've never passed through. You want through, to pass through Trenton. That's right. You've never passed through Jerusalem. No, half of them didn't. Half of them did not go to Jerusalem. But what was amazing was the result of that is that after their break, after they had done that uh, tour of Jerusalem, they had gone to the Knesset. Uh, they heard from their politicians. They heard from everybody in that one week. After that one week, uh, all of a sudden, his battalion was energized and had defended Israel like never before. They had a, He said the spirit was strong within, within his, uh, his group. So much so that the chief of staff and other uh, um, uh, officials in the Israeli, you know, uh, government and the army said, what's going on with this group? I mean, they're totally different, you know, from before their break and after the break. What did you do? And he said, I took them to Jerusalem. We did a full tour, which I believe now because of what he did is now a uh, official thing that all IDF um, uh, uh, people in the IDF. The Israelis in the IDF must go to Jerusalem for a he tour. He was kind of patting himself on the back. I think he got a promotion from it. But hey, Zaygazun, that was gr- that was great, and that's what I said. You know, I wonder. You and I just took a picture in front of the Capitol. I there's something about being in Washington. Uh, it's the capital of our country. If you read some, some of the some people monument, call it the swamp. <laughs> We, you and I were talking about Rome in the first century. Yep. What comes out of Washington, D.C. goes out all, all over the over, world, just like Rome used to be. And there's negatives to that, mm-hmm. but there's also positives to that. Yeah. And Jerusalem, Ezekiel said, Israel, Jerusalem's the center of the earth. Yep. It's the centerpiece of the earth. And what did he do? He really did a biblical, he might not even known he did a biblical thing. He took his own people who had never been to the holy city and he took them there and they were their lives were changed the way they looked at the world the way they the way they looked at their own position within the IDF changed and it revolutionized the IDF and now everybody goes it was a, it was great to hear that story we're going to have more about our visit to washington dc oh we're oh, going to have a lot more steve was great i loved being with you steve you are a schmoozer extraordinaire oh you were the king there <laughs> everybody would say oh chris how are you they didn't know who i was it doesn't matter that's the thing is i've been going to these things for a while you show up for the first time and boom 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 you're making friends you're sharing the gospel that was one of the most exciting parts of the day for me was being able to spend time with you and interacting with people that the Lord just brought our way. I mean, we're walking along the road and people say, they're asking a Jewish guy, do you know where you're going? <laughs> I didn't tell him I was Jewish. You had the GPS. 
I had no idea where I was going, but we found out we were going to the same event. Exactly. We're going to the same event, so we're walking over there, and we get to meet our new friends that we have, uh, John and Melanie. Yep. And uh, so, uh, you know, we had we had spent time with them, and then all John says, well, guess what? My brother Matthew is coming. Um, he lives in D.C. He's going to come visit me. Tell him what John does. John was dressed in a suit. Oh, man. I mean, he looked dapper he was a financial guy he had been he gives advice to people he is a straight laced wonderful friendly guy and his wife very nice wearing, wearing a tie now he is going to a congressional event so yeah, i don't know we were what, wearing ties too. yeah so but he looked ve- i mean he, he looked better than we looked you know what uh, much I mean? better so he's just looking uh, we were good. a couple of schleps walking <laughs> <laughs> most everybody had a suit we didn't have a suit we had a jacket our our, our pants kind of matched. Our yeah. ties, uh, not so much. It, it was hit or miss for us. So yeah. anyway, we're, we're walking around. We meet John and uh, uh, and Melanie, and John says, my brother Matthew's coming. So we don't know any of the, any of the story here about John, Melanie, Matthew, nothing. nothing. So Steve and I are waiting in the hotel for we're this. Dr- I'm drinking an iced tea. You were waiting on a coffee. That never came. Which never came. Yep. That, it, it, that's classic Washington, D.C. You ask for something and you might never get it. And then we asked the late, hey, is the coffee coming? Uh, oh, oh, <laughs> we didn't even make it yet. I said, cancel the order. <laughs> so we got to get out of here. So I, I see our friends, um, um, Melanie and John coming, and I see this person with them. Yeah, wearing this yellow jacket. He looked like Frank Gorshin, who used to play the uh, Riddler in Batman. A hundred percent. He had question marks and hearts. And I mean, the yellow, cool- yellow suit and pants, orange glasses. I mean, just stay. I mean, the guy stands out. And I, I say, Steve, look at John, John's brother. I mean, these two opposite people. And Steve they turns did around. They look like, I mean, physically, they had the same, they're brothers. They could have passed for twins. Oh, just they could have been twins. On the facial, not by clothing. No. <laughs> so this is my favorite part about Steve, though, is I, I say, Steve, look at look at uh, John coming with Matthew. And Steve turns around and stares <laughs> and just keeps staring. And then finally, Matthew shows up and he goes, what's going on here? <laughs> and then I said, can I take a picture with you? <laughs> that, 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 I, 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 we should try to post that picture somehow, Steve, because Matthew is such a genuine, nice guy. A great guy. Yeah, it just, and you know what was awesome was we had a chance to share why we were in Washington, Well, he asked us, yeah. what, are you guys, what are you guys doing? Here? Yeah, his brother, too. His brother's sitting right there. You'd think that would have been a conversation they had, but nothing. So. You know, I, it really opened up an opportunity uh, uh, to share the gospel. We and, just shared with them why we're there. Yeah. Israel's important, and we believe they're important. And uh, it, he was amazing. He was just— Well, he said to he you— wanted, He wanted to make people happy. We asked him, what, can you tell us about this? He said it makes people smile. Yeah, it, it did. It made me smile. I know. You're sitting there dancing, and you didn't even meet him yet. You're like, what is going on here? Well, didn't I say what you were thinking? A hundred percent. The best was I was expecting you when I said, Steve, look over there. I was expecting you to do like a little tiny turn like this and then look back at me. You just stared at him, and then you waited for him to come, and you raised your hands. Look at this. <laughs> It was great. So we had a great conversation with him. You met a nice lady at the uh, at the congressional meeting that we Did had. Ruthie, uh, who it, actually the program that she uh, is involved with is a community impact uh, place in Israel called Imuna. Uh, I think that means 
heart or love. I'm not. I, I look look it up while I'll I'm look talking. It up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she oversees a community impact uh, resource, eight thousand children in daycare centers, a thousand children in five residential homes, twelve hundred families receiving care at eleven crisis centers. Faith, immune, faith, faith, immunity faith. means faith. faith. Yeah. So. Um, it's an amazing thing, and we got to. She said, hey, "What do you, what do you guys do?" So we shared a little bit. I, I told her, "Hey, we're part of the Jew and the Gentile <laughs> podcast." Of course, no one ever heard of us. <laughs> hey, our seven weren't there, so how could they hear about? But us? we did have somebody come up and say, of the hundreds of people there, which I just am always amazed by this. Somebody takes our FOI equip classes. One person. That's correct. Not the Jew and the Gentile podcast. Nope. But the, we'll take the equip class. A hundred percent. And said, "I love your class because uh, we had a book table set up at the gala." Uh, Roxanne did a great job uh, of doing that. She's the uh, admin for uh, Jim Showers, and she w- the book table was beautiful. And I'm standing there, and there is a person who takes a quip. I love your courses, so why don't you tell tonight you're on, Chris. That's right. Tonight we're going to be doing our second of three classes on Israel's independence uh, and its founders, its leaders, and its independence. And uh, and uh, last week we looked at uh, Theodore Herzl, which oh, I had a which good time. Which you're competing doing. with the longest beard. That's right. He's right behind me. There he is. Give a give a good. There you go. That's perfect. Yep. And so, but he's got a better head of hair though. Um, that's Theodore Herzl. And then tonight we're looking at Israel's first prime minister. He was the longest serving prime minister. Move a little so they could see him upside down. Oh wait a minute. No, it doesn't show up on my oh, screen. He's okay. behind me over here. I'll show that. You have to come tonight. If you want to see a great picture of David Ben-Gurion, he was such a fascinating leader, and uh, he stands on the shoulders of Theodore Herzl and a lot of those who helped found the state of Israel, and he's going to be Israel's first prime minister. Fascinated with Christians. 100%. And Christianity. He read a great deal about it. He was very interested. Well, didn't you go through his house once? I did. I wrote about it in Israel, My Glory. And you found a book in his library, because you can go through his home, and David Ben-Gurion, Israel's first prime minister, had a book of a Friends of Israel rep from the past. Exactly, which spoke about Jesus. Uh, and he was fascinated with that topic. And the person who, the name escapes me, but was a, a scholar, uh, a recognized scholar. Not, not like me, but a scholar. And he respected scholarship. He spoke like nine different languages, read Greek, uh, Certainly, Hebrew, English. Uh, he his books were. It's a, he had to build an addition to his house, a very modest house. Most of it devoted to his library. Over twenty thousand wow. books in his library. That's what you have, right? They're all on the ground. <laughs> Mine. When I I don't pay attention to it, they fall behind, and that's how I found. Did you know? That's right. And actually, this is your, you bought a new Did You Know, right? I did. I gave the other one away because uh, one of our colleagues, uh, for some reason, couldn't get it. At, it wasn't available in uh, the UK. And so he, as he was here, he said, oh, I'd love that book. I said, ah, take it. Amazon delivers. We were away for a couple of days. Alice did one one click. And boom, we're home. There it is in front of our house. Well, this isn't an Amazon ad. This is actually an FOI Equip ad. So you want to be sure to go to foiequip.org so that you can pop right there and <laughs> register for my class tonight if That's you haven't all already. You have to do. You can also register for a class coming up in June uh, with uh, with um, Mordecai Kadar, Doctor Mordecai Kadar from Bar Ilan University, going to be he talking about the six day calm, war. Chris. Oh my goodness. He it, it, get, 
can't they go on YouTube and see some of his? Hundred percent. Tell them how to do that. Just just Google Mordecai Kadar, and you will find videos of him speaking. His in arms Ar- are flying. Away. He could go from <laughs> Hebrew to English to Arabic. Yeah, just like in that. One. With just boom, he does it. He's amazing. Uh, so you're going to want to be sure to go to foiequip.org. You can register for my class if you haven't already. I hope to see you tonight. And you can also register for Mordecai Kadar's class coming up in June. But Steve, hey, really quick before we move on to did you know, did you know that we have a phone number now? I just found out, Chris, <laughs> you, uh, I think it was over the weekend, I got a text from you telling I could get something your favorite line, free, 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 free. That's right. And we have a phone number now that you can text us on. Don't call us. I'm not going to lie. It'll be harder to do the phone call. It'll be easier if you text. So if you have questions that you'd like to ask the Jew and Gentile podcast, if you have comments, I'm sure you've got Uh-oh, comments. That's comments. right. If you, Get these guys off the air. <laughs> that's right. If you'd like to let us know how you listen to the Jew and Gentile podcast. Hey, we had one of our listeners who's with the Lord now listening in the shower while eating a sandwich. Uh, and no one could top that. That's right. Well, we don't know. So. <laughs> So let's uh, let's throw out the number. The number is 424-444-1948. Oh, 1948, Chris. It's perfect because tonight I'm doing my independence, Israel's independence and leaders class. And 1948 was the year that Israel's independence happened, May 14th, 1948. So again, that's why it's 424-444-1948. 424 444-1948. Here's what I want you to do. Maybe you're watching right now. Maybe you're listening on YouTube or Facebook uh, or you're listening on the podcast. Hey, go on your phone right now. Go to 424-444-1948. Send us a text message. Spit it out one more time because you kind of stumbled there. Give them the number for old ears like mine. 424-444-1948. A text messaging service for you to be able to ask your questions. Give us your comments. Let us know what you think. Send us some news. Send us a link. Maybe we'll use it. We have our good friend, Alan Holpe, who sends us news all the time. Text us news that you think might be interesting about Israel and the Jewish people. We'll try to get it on the podcast. Again, that's 424-444-1948. All right, Steve. What are we doing? Did you know? Did you know? We haven't had it for a while. And so once again, Emily Stone comes through. And Chris... Why don't you press the button where I say what? Uh, wait. Oh, oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. Here we go. Nope. Hold on. Wait, we got a couple. You also like this one. And that's it. So So this is from Emily Stone. The title is Just for Beginners. Oi. (laughs) Just for Beginners. Oi. To quote the great Leo Rostin, oi is not a word. It is a vocabulary, whether expressing joy, surprise, disgust, horror, or panoply of options in between, oi is practically its own soliloquy. Indeed, never have two letters managed to say so much to so many with so little. Oi, vase mere. So let's take a look at the expletive that invokes a heck of a lot more than a pallid cousin. Oh, oi, literal, oh, conveys dismay, frustration, exasperation, vexation, disappointment, usage. Oi, this printer is always jamming. 
Oi, and Sadie is coming for the whole weekend. Ay, 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 ay. And on she goes. So for beginners, oi. Ay, ay, ay. Okay, that's good. You know, your oi's, it's funny, whoever you hang out with, the oi's rub off. So your wife always says oi yep. all the time. I hear Laura, oi. <laughs> Me, I go home and Karen goes, you hang out with steve a lot you know because i go oh yeah you know and so it rubs off it's not me it's the word that's what emily is two letters just two letters it it's a volume of expressions you're happy you're sad and somehow when you say it how you say it the person doesn't need an interpreter they know you're sad they know you're mad they know you're afraid it's an amazing word that i well, you know what? If uh, our listeners are listening right now, they can actually text us an I by going to 424-444-1948. Text us if you if you feel like. I want to know this. If you've been listening to the Jew and Gentile podcast long enough, have we rubbed off on you? <laughs> have we rubbed off? Are you going, ay, 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 when you walk around the house when something's going wrong? We'd like to know if we're rubbing off with a little ay, vashmir, or something of that nature. All right, Steve. Uh, amazing. Did you know? All right. Well, we are in Revelation chapter 17, and uh, this is a big one. Actually, Steve, do you remember we did Revelation, uh, uh, a Revelation conference, the book of Revelation, online through our lookup conference, and I was tasked with doing Revelation chapter 17 and Oh, 18. I did not remember that. You should be the bulk then. Well, I'm you, act- you could give your message in a short uh condensed version. Well, I think we were talking about the fact that uh, I had mentioned last week that people see what we're about to talk about in various capacities, some or various ways. They interpret it as uh, this passage is talking about Rome. They interpret it as this passage is the next two chapters are talking about uh, ba- Babylon itself, a physical, an actual resurrection of the of Babylon and Iraq. It never was destroyed. That's that, what they say. That's right. And mm-hmm. I said, I should have said, and now I get to say it, Iraq is back. Wait, uh, Iraq is back. Iraq is back. <laughs> so uh, that's uh, that's some people believe it's an actual e- e- uh, Babylon comes back to life. And then um, I take it, though, to mean more an image of the world system is is going to be crumbling. And the 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 what you're going to see in, in, in Revelation 17 and 18 is that people are clinging to this world system. People are clinging to the world, Steve. That's the way, whether you believe it's Rome, whether you believe it's Babylon resurrected, however you look at it, no matter what you get from this, is that people are clinging to this world. They trust this world so much for everything, and they get drunk on this world. And that's what we're going to look at here in a moment. It's amazing. Uh, Verse 1 says, Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls came and talked with me, saying to me, Come. I'll show you the judgment of the great harlot who sits on many waters, with whom the kings of the earth commit fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth were made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast, which was full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. The woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet and adorned with gold and precious stones and pearls, having in her hand a golden cup full of abominations and the filthiness of her fornication. And on her forehead a name was written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots and of the abominations on the earth. And I saw a woman drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. 
And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement. You know, Chris, we've we've kind of made light as we go through. It's amazing. I, I, I'm happy that we're doing it. That we're not. This is our podcast is not designed as a preaching service. It's not designed as a in-depth Bible study. But we we have taken passages and whole books. We did Leviticus. We did the subject of the temple. We've done the covenants, and we. We try to put a spin on it that's accurate. That's our goal, to be mm-hmm. accurate. But at the same time, uh, to to add a little humor, it's it's hard to be humorous in Revelation chapter 17. Yeah, it's, it's, just, been, hard, it's been hard to be humorous for the past several chapters. It, it has. And this it's getting worse and worse uh, as, as we look at it. Why don't you begin and talk a little bit about what we just read. Yeah, so the this woman is going to become a representation, a, a great prostitute, uh, uh, is going to become a, a representation of, of really how the world is going to, again, uh, be drunk on the systems of the world and the one who rules over the world. We, we actually believe that Satan is still in charge of this world right now. That's what the Apostle Paul teaches. The Apostle Paul teaches in Ephesians chapter 2, uh, that the prince of the power of the air still has dominion over this world. That that means that when when you think about the various world systems, Jesus is bringing a system that was promised back in Daniel, a different kingdom, God's kingdom, in comparison to what the other kingdoms of the world. And so, what we're seeing is this this setup of what the what i believe is the world system how it's going to look and ultimately how the world is going to be clinging to this leader to this individual and to the systems that were set up i'll read it like this it says um this in a commentary one of the seven angels who had one of the seven bowls invited john to witness the punishment of the great prostitute who sits on many waters this evil woman symbolizes the religious systems of babylon and the waters symbolize people, multitudes, nations, and languages, which has been a theme over and over again throughout the book of Revelation. The angel informed John that the kings of the earth had committed adultery with the woman. In other words, they have become part of the religious system which she symbolizes. Which I, This raises an interesting point, Steve, is that the more, as we continue to, in, down the, the 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 path of human history here, we're noticing something that in in our world is that people are becoming more secular. Uh, we're they're embrace that they're they're abandoning God and they're embracing a humanistic way of life, and they think they're secular. That's what's amazing. They think we don't believe in a God. You know, we believe in the uh, in what man can accomplish, and and I think it's what's led to the confusion that we have especially in our society, the confusion of genders, the confusion. We just live in a very confused world because we're not no longer looking to the truth that's found in the scriptures. We're looking to the truth that's within us. And everybody has an individual truth. And so this is who I get to be. Okay. What's interesting from this commentary is that it says this, the angel informed John that the kings of the earth had committed adultery with the woman. In other words, they had become part of the religious system, which she symbolizes. What people don't realize is, I know they think we can separate church and state, and we can get rid of, you know, they can abandon God, but the reality that is actually happening is 
that they are believing in something else. And that's what John is presenting here is that instead of believing in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one create the one true creator God of the universe who spoke everything into existence, and we had read in Revelation 16 how they actually were putting their fists up. They refused to repent to the God who wants to provide them with forgiveness and kindness and compassion. Instead of that, they turn and they commit adultery with the world ultimately believing in everything that the world has to offer. And that's where we are here in Revelation 17. You know, Chris, uh, you think about this. Right now, there's a restraining influence. Even though you describe things accurately, it seems like secularism is taking over and there's a lot of confusion. The church is part of the restraining uh, of unleashing what Satan fully wants. And what was interesting yesterday amongst believing uh, people who believe in the Bible and who believe that Jesus is the Messiah, and unbelieving people who also believe in the Bible. What brought us together yesterday was so interesting. The Christians were quoting the Psalms, the prophets. Mm-hmm. They, didn't, they didn't quote the New Testament. Jesus' name, to my recollection, was only mentioned about two or three times. I, I remember distinctly hearing it once by Susan, uh, who's the person who is the director, and she used the name Jesus. Uh, but the Bible was quoted, mm-hmm. and we what united us was this common belief in what we call justice, righteousness, not based on our own interpretation, but based on the scriptures. That's right. What we have here is a removal of the church. The Bible is nowhere to be found. Uh, at all. And the system, this fake system, this man-centered system where each individual is God, uh, that's the system. And what happens? They harden. They quench their teeth. Mm -hmm. They refuse, as you just said. It's just such an interesting contrast to me. Uh, And the system here is there will be believers, but they're going to be killed Almost instantly. Yes, in this world system, and we're going to see that later on. Because it says in verse 3, Then the angel carried me away in the spirit into into the wilderness, and there I saw a woman sitting on a scarlet beast that was covered with blasphemous names and had seven heads and ten hordes. Again, Steve, that goes back to to Daniel. Uh, When Daniel talks about the the beast with seven heads and ten horns. We're talking about a unification of the world. There's We're not talking about nations anymore that— um, are holding each other in check. You know, if you think about nations today, there's a reason I think God made it so that there isn't a global system. Nations hold other nations in check. Think about what Adolf Hitler wanted to do. He wanted to rule. The, I mean, he was going for all of Europe. He was going and moving into Russia. He was moving into UK. He wanted to expand. And it was, he was on the move. I mean, he was a, a, it was a war machine, and people were scared at being gobbled. I mean, they were practically, here's the keys to the kingdom, take it. You know, we don't want to be gobbled one, up. Really, at the time, one country dug in. That was Britain. Britain, that was it. Yeah. That's it. it was, and it was one man, Churchill, who was willing to stand up against Hitler. But think about how when the United States got involved— there was it, all of a sudden it becomes a clash of the 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 world. That's why it's called World War II because now all of a sudden the values of one side are fighting the values of another side, and so that becomes really important to see how the nations were keeping each other in check. 
Um, and so that's important. But now, if you look, when we talk about the seven, uh, we're talking about the seven heads and the ten horns, we're actually talking about, we're no longer looking at nations that are keeping each other in check. Now there's one ruler, and that one ruler oversees 10 various kingdoms, essentially, within the within the world that are all looking to this one ruler. So there's no keeping in check anymore because the Antichrist is ruling over everything. And I don't know if that makes sense or not. I think it, it does. But, you know, you think of those seven—you go back to Daniel, and he was, of course, alive during Babylon, but you go through these seven uh, kingdoms or kings— and you realize that, wait a minute, a, a, a Egypt was a power, uh, mm-hmm. Assyria was a power, uh, Babylon was a power, upon Babylon came uh, uh, Greece, or no, what came after Babylon? Uh, Medo-Persia, mm-hmm. and then Greece, and then uh, Rome, and then uh, after Rome, we've got this, revi- what will be the revived Roman Empire. So... And each one building upon each other, it reminds me of Nebuchadnezzar's dream where you had the statue and the gold and the silver, and it all built up, it was all, it started with gold, the least strong that uh, was the most expensive, and went to the strongest and the least expensive at at the bottom of the feet mixed with clay so that when the stone, we're ahead of ourselves here in Revelation, but the stone cut without hand that Daniel writes about, hits the feet, boom, the whole thing falls down. But this is the pinnacle right now now in 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 our progression, as John is giving the revelation, this is the apex of the period of time where they're ruling the earth. And the idea of the prostitute, too, sitting on the beast, is an idea of her luring. It's not, you know, it's it's the luring of people to her. She's dressed really nice. She's dressed nice. She's got nice things. She's got gold and precious stones and pearls. She held a golden cup in her hand filled with abominable, abominable things. And that, again, whenever you see abominable things, Steve, I don't know what your mind goes to, but I go to unclean, and unkosher. These are unkosher things. Trafe. Trafe. A hundred percent. Filled with abominable things and the filth of her adulteries. And the name written on her forehead was a mystery. Babylon the Great, the mother of prostitutes, and the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman was drunk with the blood of God's holy people, the blood of those who bore the testimony of Jesus. They're going to be the enemies of this woman, the people who stand for the truth who are getting saved, where these 144,000 are preaching the gospel, they're getting saved, they haven't taken they, they uh, haven't taken the mark of the beast, they stand out, they are hunted down and killed, and this system is the reason why. And that's why Jesus says, uh, my kingdom is not of this world. Now that doesn't mean, I think I've mentioned this before, that doesn't mean that Jesus is saying, my kingdom is, is some distant, uh, ethereal... Wait, you gotta have music... Yeah, exactly. You're not going to float off into space and sit on your cloud because that's Jesus's kingdom. No, Jesus's kingdom is coming to earth, but it's a kingdom that is vastly different than the one that's presented here in in um, in uh, Revelation chapter 17. Steve, you know what was coming to my mind too? And I have to find the passage of uh, when Paul is in, um, uh, Paul is has the riot in Ephesus. And I've been talking about this a lot lately because I think it has to do a lot with the culture that we live in. Uh, Here it is uh, in, in Acts chapter 19, starting in verse 23. 
is you can see a clash of kingdoms even today. I'm not saying that the kingdom of God is here, but you can see the clash of the kingdom and the riot that happens in Ephesus because Paul is going around and he's preaching the gospel and Gentiles who once followed the ways of the world, they followed the the systems of the world, the pagan ways that we're reading about here, how they, the, they were drunk on her wine, uh, and, and, and the, the world was luring these people, and, and Ephesus was the center of, the, of worship for, for one of the Roman goddesses and Greek goddesses. People would come from all around the world to go worship at this temple of, maybe it's Diana or something like that, and they would come, and they would get their idols, and idol makers were making a killing on this, and so these Pagan people would come and they'd buy an idol and they the idol maker would make money and then they'd go in, they'd worship, and they'd probably do things we wouldn't even want to talk about on this podcast, and then they would go home uh, once they left the temple. Well, all of a sudden, these Gentiles that Paul is ministering to are making so much of an impact for the gospel in Ephesus that the idol makers notice, hey, wait a minute, where's my money? Out of business. Out of business. And what do they do? Instead of trying to lure people, they get angry. Oh, they get Why? Because they are addicted to the lust of the world. They're addicted to the money that came. They were. They didn't care about the goddess in the temple. They cared about their, what do you call it? Geech. Geech. They Geech. cared about their money, their income. And, and they were willing to sell and peddle lies to pagans uh, just to make them a, 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 a buck. And here is this clash of kingdoms because now all of a sudden they're so angry that they begin to riot and they begin to, where's Paul? We know that Paul, he's the guy doing this because all of a sudden these Gentiles are abandoning the ways of the world, chasing after false gods, chasing after the things of the world. And now all of a sudden they start to follow the invisible one true God, the God of Abraham. These Gentiles, Steve, are following the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They abandon their pagan ways and almost start to sound a little Jewish in the way that they talk, these Gentiles. And so if you think about the same way, uh, uh, and what happens? They get persecuted by the pagans. Well, in Revelation 17, it's the same thing. They are abandoning the practices of the world that are being presented here, the way that the Antichrist sets up his system, and now what's happening? Well, now they get persecuted because they're following a different God. They're following the truth of the scriptures, and for that, they're persecuted. And I see a lot of the—it's a kingdom clash, No question, but persecution means what here, Chris? Not just they're calling them names. Oh, no, this is death. This is death, and it it rivals things that have already happened in the past that— aren't fulfillment of this, but rather it gives us an indication, including the times we're living in right now. Right now, we're living in a period of time. You look at the cities in America, I'm in Europe too. We just had a staff conference. People live all around the world who are telling us they're so confused. The things that seem that, that were right by legal standards and defending of law and order has become, for many cities, out to lunch and a different rule, which is anarchy. Mm-hmm. Literally, there's a uh, a law. I don't know if it's a written law, but they are not prosecuting in San Francisco if it's over, if it's under a thousand dollars. So you can and video pe- people have videoed it. If it's under a thousand dollars, you can walk in, steal the stuff, walk out, and they won't do anything. Target 
I think we talked about this at the on the podcast, but Target now has locked up everything. Everything, yeah. Everything. Oh, stores are closed. But San then Francisco, you can't find, out then you can't find a person who works at Target to let you get your stuff. <laughs> you can't find anybody to work. Yep. No, you know what we're living in right now? Because the world is becoming more defined. You know, uh, there's those who follow the ways of the scriptures, the truth of the scriptures, and then there are those who follow the world. And there, it's becoming more black and white, where before I think it was a little more gray. Because of the culture that we lived in, say, we used to call them God-fearing people. They didn't; they weren't necessarily believers the way we understand to believe. But people had—I uh, would say—everyone where we were yesterday were God-fearers mm-hmm. in the sense that they looked to a code, the Scripture. We quoted it all the time, and that's what again united us. We're li- we're living in a divided world today of people who discount the things. That are that God calls righteous. You know, we're going to be setting up. Uh, re- we're setting up Revelation 17, Revelation 18, which will give way to Revelation 19. We need Revelation. 19. We need. Uh, we're begging for Revelation 19. <laughs> we are begging. We're going too slow. That's <laughs> right. Well, because we need to go ahead and transition to the news here, Steve. And so uh, we'll we'll pick up in Revelation 17 next week as we continue our conversation on the on the on the harlot. Uh, but Chris, the news. We saw newsmakers yesterday. We saw uh, a man named Jacob Jason Mioris, mm-hmm. who was the what his title Virginia what? Okay, so Attorney General. This comes Attorney this is our, General. Yeah, he's right. our he's a uh, uh, we had um, his name is uh, Attorney General Myaris, um, and he is the first of uh, uh, he creates a first of its kind anti semitism task force. For Virginia. Unbelievable. He was fantastic. So he got up and spoke yesterday to our group. And, uh, you know, he I could tell from what he was saying with boldness and confidence in the Lord. He's a Bible-believing Christian. He loves the Lord. Uh, he talked about his first trip to Israel in 2012, I believe, with APAC. And uh, he said there's three very important events in his life. Do you remember them, yeah, Steve? Yeah, I do. Uh, he said He said on his trip, he said, my marriage is important, my kids are important, and Israel changed my life. Going That's to the Israel. the third most important thing in as far as changing his life was Israel number three. And by the way... I don't see Israel overtaking his kid or wife. <laughs> so that's pretty high up. That's right. Well, this comes from WRIC.com, and the, the link is in our show notes, but I'll read this very first uh, sentence here. After a steep rise in religious hate crimes last year, Attorney General Jason Myaris announced on Wednesday that his office had created a task force meant to monitor and combat acts of anti-Semitism in Virginia. You know, I'm really glad, Steve, that he brings this up because it's overlooked that Jewish people face the highest forms of hate crimes in America. 60% of hate crimes in America are directed toward Jewish people. That's anti-Semitism. There, there should be no hate crimes done in America. None. 100%. And, but when 60% of them are directed to a, a minority in America, less than 1% of the U.S. population is, um, is Jewish, I think, uh, we, we've got to make sure, he's saying, we've got to make sure that people can feel safe walking in the streets of Virginia. And so he's a he's a, 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 wants to stand up against anti-Semitism. He's created this uh um this task force that's a first of its kind and I was encouraged by what he said Steve. He said that he brought a delegation of 12 attorney generals from, Amazing. Yeah, from around the United States 
to Israel to show them what's going on, to help them stand up against anti-Semitism, and to help them support the Jewish state as well. And Chris, as great as that was, I and we, we put it in our show notes, and we want people to read about it, the person who stole the show never even set foot in front of the podium. Oh, I know. She's amazing. Winsome Sears, a Jamaican-American politician who's the lieutenant governor of Virginia, was in the back of the play. She was in back. Modest-looking lady, dignified, uh, nothing spectacular, nothing bad, and just a nice-looking woman who is modestly dressed. The line, Chris, the line She's a to hero. get a picture She's a with hero. her. Our own Diane Showers waited in line and got a picture with her. Yeah, as the event is going, it's hard to imagine this, but I think Winsome comes in late. And so she came in late. They, People they were follow every step she's taken. Yeah, I, that's unbelievable. And so she, it was kind of like, well, she may come. She, that's what was said. Yeah, she may come. She may not come. Well, all of a sudden, people start looking around because she comes in and she just plops herself down. And then all Big of a sudden, smile yep, on her face. And long a, line of all. It's one. Once that one person got up to take a picture, boom. People got up, ignored the event, and were getting a picture with the lieutenant governor of Virginia. It was so great. And she was so gracious. I, she must have been taking pictures with people for at least 15 minutes while stuff was going on. Yep. There, it was amazing. There's a lot of great stuff happening in the politics of Virginia right now with its governor, its lieutenant governor. And from hearing from uh, from Myeris, their attorney general, I love hearing about people who want to make sure they're standing up against any hate crime, but especially anti-Semitism, since it uh, it's sixty percent of the hate crimes in America. So, uh, uh, kudos to you, uh, Attorney General Jason Myers. I hope we see him more, Steve, in American politics. I hope so. And then there was uh, a special guest, the exiled Crown Prince of Iran. I know that was amazing. The last Shah of Iran, who was ousted in 1979 under the Islamic Revolution that took place. He was ousted. You weren't even alive, Chris. I was, I was alive. I remember that. That was a big deal. A big deal. And so he is, uh, the Shah is ousted, so his son goes with him. Well, this son has now grown up, and he visited Israel and and is, is imploring that e- Iranians support Israel and the Jewish people. And you know what? I mean, uh, uh, prior to the Iran that we see today— um, prior to the revolution in 1979, it was a very open society, what, very Western-minded, 100. percent And they had the um, they looked to the Cyrus Cylinder as kind of a as a as a, a token um, for what it means to be a Persian um, and Ira- Iranian, and that they're open-minded, just as Cyrus allowed the Jewish people to return to their homeland in the Bible and allowed people to live and uh, uh, freely practice their faith. Well, uh, Iranians prior to the revolution valued that. Now, Bupkis, you can't do that at all. But he's standing up and he's saying, as an Iranian, as the son of the last Shah of Iran, we should be supporting Israel and the Jewish people. And he, uh, we learned in the afternoon that he went to the Western Wall. Yep. He, that's big. I mean, this is the son of the Shah. He's exiled, but he recognizes Israel. It's significant to him. The other thing that was interesting, bipartisanship. How do you uh, bipartisan? <laughs> bipartisan? Bipartisan. That's right. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> bipartisan. Uh, Brad Schneider, a Democrat, uh, spoke and uh, showed his solidarity for Israel uh, and the idea of 
coming together, I thought that was significant because sometimes we as uh, Bible-believing Christians, the because of our values, it seems in the majority of times we line up with the current system that is called Republicans. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to Israel, and it was said many, many times— Bipartisan, by, bipartisan. It, it should not be a—Israel poli- should not be a political issue. It should be an American issue because it's, a, it's about freedom and justice and, uh, and the legal system. And Israel is a recognized country. So that was great to see Brad uh, talk in favor of Israel. Well, we saw also uh, from the news as well, from the JewishInsider.com, and this has uh, been posted on our show notes as well. This is just a most uh, very recent—this is from May 17th. Uh, we heard about this yesterday. House Foreign Affairs Committee advances Abraham Accords envoy bill. This is important because, you know, one of the questions I think a lot of people are asking today is, what's going on with the Abraham Accords? You know, have they stalled? What we're seeing in, in the Middle East today is looks a little bit different than the way the Trump administration left it, because now all of a sudden the Saudis, who were once saying maybe we'll make peace with Israel— all of a sudden, China steps in and makes peace between the Saudis and the Iranians, which is mind-blowing because the reason the Saudis had built a relationship with Israel was because of their their uh, their their singular-minded approach to Iran. They both th- thought Iran was the aggressor in the region and needed to be stopped, and so Israel and the Saudis have worked together because of that. And now all of a sudden, China steps in, brokers a peace deal between the Saudis and the Iranians during the Biden administration. So a lot of people are going, "Okay, wait a minute. What's going on right now with the Abraham Accords? Well, they on a bipartisan level, they don't want the Abraham Accords to stall. And so um, we heard from Representative Mike Lawler of uh, a a Republican from New York who who, uh, sponsored a bipartisan envoy bill along with Representative Richie Torres of, of New York. And this it shows, he says this, this shows our allies in every nation around the world how much we value normalized relations with Israel. It is a reaffirmation of our commitment to supporting peaceful and productive bilateral relations in the Middle East and hopefully far beyond the region. And so he wants to make sure an envoy is set up. This is a one-of-a-kind uh, 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 envoy as well to make sure that the Abraham Accords continue to work and continue to foster peace in the region as well. They really believe this is a very important, uh, the Abraham Accords are important and need some uh, hand-holding to make sure it continues to move We forward. believe they're important as well, but it also denotes the losing of influence that the United States uh, internationally has, how they're seen. Uh, they're losing their, we're, we're losing our reputation for being the place because we're lowering our standards and we it's been demonstrated in Afghanistan it's been demonstrated in the way we are in the southern border there's evidence that you know what we fudge a lot yeah. uh, we might say something but it might not be what we say and so the strengthening of uh, those accords are very very important and as we were in Capitol Hill we got to witness uh uh, at least an attempt by Congress to strengthen that. And we also heard from uh, Jason Greenbot, who was the um, he was a part of the envoy that helped. Amazing. Us, yep, he interview. helped. Us, he helped establish the Abraham Accords. He had worked with uh, uh, Kushner and others in the Trump administration to make it happen. And so it was. Tell really- him where he went on vacation. Chris. Oh, yeah, this was so fascinating. Tell them where that was to me. The 
where the rubber meets the road. If you believe what you're telling people, he demonstrated that with his family. He's a father of six people. He's, six an, or- he's an Orthodox Jew. Yep. And uh, he uh, served in the Trump administration. And it was really fascinating to hear him talk about the establishment of the Abraham Accords because he was he was in the middle of it all. And do you remember what he said? He, he said, I would always go to these... Uh, to the uh, these politicians and these leaders in the Middle East, and I would say to them, "Do you want me to talk to you like a politician from America with political how's correct- the weather? Yeah. What's new? <laughs> how's your kids? I could do that." He said, and he he said, "Or do you want me to talk to you like Donald Trump?" And they said, "Donald Trump." And so then he would just Blah. <laughs> he would get it out. But you know what he said? I would the thing he learned about making peace in the Middle East. Uh, was this. He goes, I didn't come to them as a politician. I came to them as an Orthodox Jew. And I talked to religious Muslims as an Orthodox Jew. And they respected my convictions. They respected who I was. They respected what I believed. And I respected them. He said he walked proud, but respectful. And hum- he he walked in, if, I'm, if I might interpret, with his shoulders back, his spine up, and he told them the truth. That's right. And they respected, and he respected that. He was impressed. He said, apparently, political correctness doesn't work in the Middle East. <laughs> but he did, it was, and, and that spawned a great question from Josh Reinstein, who was asking them the questions. And Josh Reinstein is the head of the Knesset Christian Allies Caucus, which is one of the largest lobbies in Israel. And he was asked this question. He said, so does a biblical worldview or does a political worldview go further in the Middle East uh, you know, tell us which one works. And, you know, we never got an answer, but, it, you know, he was trying to, uh, the one thing Jason Greenblatt was trying to say is I never cowered from being an Orthodox Jew in the face of a, of a, or of a religious Muslim. And actually from that, he believed that's where we made peace. So where did he go on vacation? So he went on vacation to Saudi Arabia and he's Saudi Arabia. <laughs> he said with his keeper. That's right. And he said, Chris, <laughs> that, that that's a guy who was, Working in his job, which is to try to, this is amazing. Every politician told him, this will never happen. You're going to create World War III. There's going to be trouble. This is the worst thing that could happen. Even intelligence told him the chances of this is 50-50. Yeah. And he believed that to be true. They still went forward. And he was so impressed with the way people respected him that on his off hours, which he didn't have to do, he takes his six kids, his wife, to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> and what did they play? Tell them the game. Wait, what well, okay, game? Well, you, I have, Laser tag. Oh, that was hilarious. He's, they are shooting each other <laughs> <Yeah>. fake. <laughs> That's right. The Saudis took the Greenblatt family out to play laser tag. And he said, here's an Orthodox Jewish family and these Muslims, and they're shooting each other with laser tag Sometimes guns. they were on the same team, <laughs> That's right. and sometimes they shot at each other. That alone told me this thing worked. Yeah. This thing worked. Well, he even said in 2017, if you would have told me as an Orthodox Jew that I could wear my kippah and go to Saudi Arabia and, and Qatar, I would laugh in your face. Let alone yeah. shoot, fake shoot laces. That's right. He said that as he walked around Saudi Arabia, people would come up to him. And they didn't know who he was. They didn't know who he was. They just saw he was wearing a kippah. And they came up and they said, thank you for being here. Thank you for coming. And he said, one time a guy came up and said, are you from Israel? And he goes, no, I'm Amer- American. And he goes, 
thank you for coming. And even if he was Israeli, thank you for coming. So it really changed. He, he just, that was one of the most amazing things to hear. To I, I wish that more people could have heard that. You don't hear those sides of the story when you're when you're hearing about what's going on in the Middle East. And so, uh, and again, we also have in our show notes, if you want to read more about the, the event that we went to, the uh, Israel Allies Caucus event um, in support of uh, the Jerusalem Day, uh, that Steve and I were a part of, which was just full of laughter and good times and great information. No coffee, even though you ordered coffee. Uh, I, yeah, exactly. I said, hey, can I get some coffee? Bupkis. Uh, so anyway, you can read about that in our show notes as well. Steve. Oh, Yiddish word of the day. man, Chris. Yiddish what word do we know day. about Revelation chapter 12, Chris? Revelation chapter 12 is, I like to call it the cosmic Christmas because it's the story of the birth of Jesus, but from a spiritual, like a, from the heavenlies perspective, and there's a woman giving birth to a, a, a child. And so there's a woman there. And a, she's a Jewish woman. A Jewish woman, exactly. Israel, Israel, Miriam, a Jewish woman. Giving birth to what would become the Messiah. And Satan will chase that Messiah uh, absolutely to the it's, bitter it's end. It's good news and it looks like it's bad, but there's a woman. There's a woman. We would say a kosher woman. That's right, right exactly. All right. What do we have in Revelation 17? Well, you have an unkosher woman. You have a <laughs> prostitute. And so there's a Yiddish word for the day is shiksa. Shiksa. Okay, Steve. She's unclean. She's not part of the clan. She's a shiksa. Okay. And I'm telling you, when a Jewish guy marries a Gentile woman, it's a shiksa. And it's not good. Well, what about you? That's what I did. <laughs> But, <laughs> but I'll tell you this right now. Alice is 100%. Amazing. Well, here's the here's the difference. We're part of the church in Jesus Christ, and we cannot be unequally yoked. The, the idea of marrying a shiksa in Judaism is you don't want to marry somebody outside. That's right. You don't. You want to keep it inside because it's a it's a holy union. So Alice is a Gentile. My family would regard her as a shiksa. No question. I told her about that. However, inside the family, it, the, the Bible says you should be uh, you, you should be like-minded. Yes. And so we are like-minded. We both believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And so she's not she's outside not the camp. She's not a shiksa. Nope. She, we're one in the body of Christ. That's so, right. That takes precedence. But in the context here in Revelation, you got the woman who's kosher, Jewish, Israel, and the shiksa. <laughs> shiksa, that's great. All right, everybody, that's the Yiddish word of the day, shiksa. The next time you read Revelation chapter... Uh, hey, our, what's that number again? Well, I was just going to do it. Our number... Hold on a second. Hang on. Okay, there we go, Steve. Hey, listen, our number, you can text us questions, comments, whatever you want to do. Text us. It's 424-444-1948. Steve, do you remember it? 424-444-1948. 1948. Hey, shoot us a text. Let us know you listen. Let us know where you're listening from. Is there anybody out there? Hello, hello. Let us know. Maybe there's eight listeners. Maybe we have eight listeners, Steve. 424-444-1948. Hey, thank you so much for being with us. We're going to continue our study next week on Revelation chapter 17. We've got, again, Yiddish Word of the Day, all these great things. Hey, join me on my class tonight, Israel's Leaders in Independence. You can register by going to foiequip.org, and we'll see you next week.